It is day two of Dafyud Tess. We are holding the Gemara on Dafyud Tess and for about 40 lines down from the top of the page. Yesterday, the Gemara tried to prove that intention for immersion when it comes to eating chulin, unconsecrated produce, is not necessary. That a person who inadvertently or without realizing it ends up going into a mikvah or into a body of water that constitutes a mikvah without intent to become ritually pure at all, Nonetheless, he can become ritually pure to the extent that he can eat unconsecrated produce, the lowest of the five levels that we mentioned in our Mishnah. So the Gemara now today attempts another proof at this principle. Elameha, let's learn it from the following. We learned in a Mishnah, this is a Mishnah in Machshirin, this nan, if fruit or produce fell accidentally into a channel of water, so without intent, and someone whose hands were tame reached into the water and took them. Yod of is his hands become toho. Even though he didn't intend to purify them, he just wanted to get hold of the fruit of the produce that fell into the water. Now that is what the Gemara is going to extract from this Mishnah. That line that we just learnt, that fruit fell into the water inadvertently by accident, a person puts his hands into the water to get them out, clearly he didn't have intent to purify his hands, nonetheless his hands are pure. Before though the Gemara concludes its proof from this Mishnah, the Gemara continues and finishes off the rest of the Mishnah. In this case where the fruit fell into the water and a person put his hands into the water to take the fruit out, the fruit, is, the produce is not included in the law of kiyutan. Kiyutan means if water is placed. What is going on here? So the halacha is if food, that food doesn't become susceptible to contracting tumah unless it's first become wet, it's become moistened by liquid. The Torah says explicitly, kiyutan mayim, it has to be water has to come on it in order for it to be able to become tummy. Now, our Mishnah is talking about a certain word in the Torah. The Torah says, V'chiyutan ma'yim al-zera, if water is placed on a seed. Now, that word, yutan, is spelt yud taf nun. There's no vav. Yutan is spelt yud taf nun. We have a tradition from our Sinai that it's read yutan. The most simple way to read yud taf nun would be yitain. But we read it yutan. Now, what does yutan mean? Yutan means it is placed. Something falls upon it. Water falls upon the produce. Yitain would mean that a person actively places water on the fruit. So yutan is a more passive. The water fell on it. It became wet. Yitain means he actively placed water on it. He did so willingly. So what is the halacha that we learn from this fact that the word is spelt yutafnun and yet we pronounce it yutan? We learn from here that just like when a person puts water, yitain, he puts water on produce, he does so willingly, so too when the water is indirectly placed, passively so to speak, yudvav tafnun, yutan, when it's placed on the food, the moistening also has to occur with the person's approval. In the same way that that would happen, he would have approval when it's yitain, when he actively places the water. So that's what we learn from the two pronunciations of this word, yud tafnun, yitain, Yutan and Yitain have to be the same. In the same way that when a person actively, Yitain, places water on the produce, he does so willingly. So too when the water is indirectly, Yutan, placed on the fruit, it is happened with the willingness, with the intent, with the active tacit agreement of the person. So in this case, the Mishnah says, the fruit are not included in this law of Kiyutan. Because there was no intent, the fruit fell into the water by chance and the person put his hands into the water to take them out so there's no intent at all for them to become wet 
the Mishnah continues, But if after the fruit accidentally fell into the water, a person thought, oh, there's an opportunity here for me to wash my hands. I'm going to do it until when I put my hands into the water. So he actively wanted to make his hands wet and wash his hands. Yodav Tahurus, his hands are Tahar, obviously, because you don't, the Mishnah already told us you don't need intent to wash your hands. And this time the produce is included in the law of Kiyutan. Because this time, Rashi says, he had intent to put his hands into the water, make his hands wet. And therefore he also had intent. At this stage he shows his agreement for the fact that the fruit fell into the water and became wet. So that shows that he wanted the fruit to become wet. Now that's the end of the quote from the Mishnah and we have now proved our point. We proved, as we said at the beginning when we quoted the Mishnah, that intent is not required for washing one's hands for chulin, for unconsecrated produce, as we saw very clearly at the beginning of that Mishnah that we quoted, that fruit falls into the water accidentally. A person puts his hands in to take the fruit out and his hands already become ritually pure for chulin, for eating unconsecrated produce, even though he had no intent to wash his hands. He just wanted to get the fruit out of the water. So now we've proved the point. The Gemara now challenges this law. Rabbi challenged Rav Nachman from our own mission, our Mishnah in Chagiga. The Mishnah says, If someone immersed himself for the intent that he's going to be able to eat unconsecrated produce, for Chulin, and he intended to purify himself only for Chulin, for unconsecrated produce, he's prohibited from eating Master Shein. So the Gemara says, Doesn't that seem to imply that it's only if he intended to to purify himself for chulin, for unconsecrated produce. Then he becomes richly pure for unconsecrated produce. But if he didn't intend, he's not permitted. It seems from the Mishnah's language that only if huchzak, only if he specifically intended to purify himself for chulin, does he, does he do so. But if it was not intentional, if he didn't intend to purify himself for chulin, maybe he doesn't become richly pure for chulin. So the Gemara rejects this. The Gemara says, I know the Mishnah is just saying as follows, even though he specifically intended to purify himself for chulin, he had it wasn't like he just fell into the water and he didn't have intent to purify himself. He did have intent to purify himself, but only for chulin. So therefore, he's not ritually pure for maser. In other words, even though he had intent to purify himself, since it was for chulin, it's not good enough for maser. That's all the Mishnah is saying. But indeed, if he didn't have intention at all, he would still be pure for chulin. The Mishnah's point is, if he intended for chulin, it's still not good enough for maser. The Gemara continues with another challenge to this law. Another challenge to the law that a person who washes his hands without intent for purifying them, he can still become ritually pure for chulin, for unconsecrated produce. Aesavay, they asked another question. Rabbi asked another question on Rav Nachman from our Mishnah. The Mishnah continues and says, What if a person immersed himself without intention for tahara at all? He just went, went swimming. He just wanted to go for a wash. The Mishnah says it's as if he did not immerse himself at all. But this seems like a slam dunk proof from the Mishnah. He didn't immerse himself. It's as if he didn't immerse himself at all. My love, Kilo Toval Klal. Doesn't that appear to say that it's as if he didn't immerse himself at all, at all? In other words, even for Chulun, even unconsecrated produce. The Mishnah says explicitly if he immersed himself without intent for Tara at all, just to bathe, it's as if he didn't immerse himself. That seems to imply very clearly that he's not even ritually pure for Chulin, for unconsecrated produce. <coughs> So the Gemara rejects this interpretation as well. The Gemara says, No, the Tana just means, It's as if he didn't immerse himself for Maser Shani. But he did immerse himself for unconsecrated produce. In other words, what the Mishnah is saying is, if he went to the Mikvah without intent, and he didn't intend for any purification, he can't eat Maser. 
but he can still eat chulin. Now, there's a question here that we have to deal with that Tosfos asks. The question is, we have two clauses in the mission that we've just learned. One is, if someone immerses himself specifically with intent to eat chulin, then he's forbidden to eat maser. The second one is, if he didn't have any intention at all, he is forbidden to eat maser. Can we not learn one from the other? If I know that he, when he had intent to dip in the mikvah for chulin, that he can't eat maser, don't I already know that if he didn't have any intent at all, that he can't eat maser? And Tosfus answers, in the second answer of Tosfus, Yesh Loma, the Imishim Reisha, Yitzhi Omer, if I only had the first case in the Gemara, that in the Mishnah, that a person specifically had intent for chulin, that he's not able to eat maser, you might have thought, You might have thought, okay, if he had intent to dip for chulin, he can't eat maser. But if he didn't have any intent at all, maybe he would be able to eat maser. The only reason why he can't eat maser in the first case is because he had specific intention for chulin. So he removed his mind from thinking about maser altogether. He only was going to eat chulin and not maser. But you might have thought that if he didn't have any intent at all, maybe he would be able to eat maser. And therefore we have the second case of the Mishnah as well to teach us, not only in the case where he had intent for chulin, could he not eat maser, but even where he didn't have any intent at all, he can't eat maser. The Gemara continues, Who saw the Rabbah was unconvinced by Rav Nachman's responses to his questions on the Mishnah. Rabbah really thought that the Mishnah was a good proof against this principle. The Mishnah really has a couple of good sentences in it which indicate that if a person doesn't have intent for ritual purity when he goes to the mikvah, then it doesn't help him even for chulin. He thought it was convincing his proof from the Mishnah. He thought Rav Nachman was just pushing him off. But then he went out and investigated and he learned some more and he discovered Rav Nachman was correct. He learned a brysa. The brysa says, If a person immersed himself and did not have any intent for tahara, is forbidden to eat master sheni, he's permitted to eat chulin. So this brysa explicitly says that intent is not required for immersion when it comes to chulin, when it comes to unconsecrated produce. We're going to hold it here for today. I wish you all a very good day.